We have been in this series called Pre-Decide. And we're going to continue with that today. We're going to take a week off next week to hear from Paul. But uh, we're going to continue with that this week. Have you ever got to a point in your life where you go, I thought I would be further than this by now. I thought I'd be more grown up by now. I thought I'd have that dream job by now. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have my act together better by now. And we kind of do this every so often. We reflect and, I mean, I, I, how old am I again? Okay. I do this every time I mention this because I forget. I'm losing track. I'm in my mid-40s now. I'm going to be 46 in April. And, and sometimes when you reflect on all the years, you go, last night, Janie and I were looking at pictures of Johnny, our youngest son, when he was a baby. Because he's going to graduate eighth grade this year, and you have a baby picture next to the eighth grader kind of a thing. And he's got this fat little face, and he's drooling out the side of his mouth. And I'm like, what happened? I just, where did the years go? I thought I would be here, there, whatever. Our expectations aren't. Okay, let me, let me just give you a sense of time here. I saw yesterday an advertisement where Snoop Dogg is playing a football coach in a kid's for a football. How many of you remember when Snoop Dogg came on the scene? Did anybody ever think that Snoop Dogg was going to be the lead coach in a presumably character-building, heartfelt football show for kids? How many of you had to hide your Snoop Dogg album from your mom? How many of you are lying right now? Come on. Not to mention Adam Sandler. He's now the voice of the dad Dracula in Transylvania. He just, he, he, what? I mean, Eddie Murphy became Dr. Doolittle for crying out loud. <laughs> Times change, and we stop and we wonder, why am I not where I want to be? Or even if you have arrived, you got the dream job. You have the two and a half kids and the white picket fence and the dog and the haughty wife. You got it all. You got your two car. You got the American dream. And you go, is this all there is? I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. And you go, is this really what it's all about? Is this all life is going to be? Now I just do this until I die and go to heaven. I'm telling you, life is and can be so much more than that. It can be so much more than that. It's not all there is. But you have to dig in for the rest of what it is. It doesn't just happen to you by accident. So we're talking about the decisions we make because the quality of our decisions will determine the quality of our lives, often. The quality of our decisions is a huge part of what drives our direction in life. If, you've, if you just continue to make intentional, rebellious, frustrated decisions, you're probably going to keep getting the same results. You're not going to reap all those good fruits, continuing to make destructive decisions. So we've been asking ourselves this question. When I'm faced with blank, I have pre-decided to blank. So we've talked about things like being tempted. Before I'm going to be tempted, I've already decided that I'm going to be pure. You know, I'm going to be committed. 
those kind of things. When, before I get in the situation, I need to decide what my values are ahead of time. I can't wait till I'm in the tense, difficult moment to then decide what my values are. I need to decide before I get into that situation. And if I do that, I have a lot higher chance of succeeding and making a good decision when I'm tempted to make a bad one. Today, we want to talk about getting closer to God. If life, maybe you're reflecting on life and going, this isn't what it was all cracked up to be. I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. Even if I've arrived, I'm not, ah, is this all there is to it? We've got to draw closer to God. So the value we're going to talk about today is devotion. Let's look at some of these values that we've been talking about. We've talked about being ready. I am ready. I am consistent. I am devoted is what I'm going to talk about today. The value of being devoted. What does it mean to be devoted? We're going to talk about being generous. Anita Shirley is going to share with us the value of generosity. I'm so looking forward. They've got a great story. Bob Walmsley is going to share with us about being faithful. Is that right, Bob? That's the one you've got? Be faithful. And then we're going to talk about being a finisher. When we have values like this and we've decided them ahead of time, it helps us make better decisions when we end up in tense situations in life. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And I want to begin talking about the value of devotion. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, there's a context here where Jesus is saying, hey, uh, you, need, you need to eat, you need to drink, you need things in life, you need clothes to wear. God knows that, but seek first. God knows you have hopes and dreams. God knows that you have things that you need, and we trust him. Sometimes we don't get what we want, but we trust God with that. He knows, and Jesus says, but first, seek the kingdom of God. Seek that which matters most. Place first in your life what's most important. Okay, this is going to be the key thought throughout today. I'm going to put first what's most important. I'm going to make Jesus a priority. I'm devoted to Jesus. It's so important to decide that. So before tomorrow comes, tomorrow I'm going to be busy. I got meetings. I got to get back to work tomorrow. I've got stuff going on tomorrow night. I'm going to be busy tomorrow, but I'm deciding before tomorrow gets here that Jesus is my priority. I'm devoted to Jesus. I'm going to decide that today so that as I face each day, I know what my priority is. Think about devotion. We call them devotionals, right? When you take time to read the word and pray, for a lot of people, that's in the morning. We call that devotional time. We've devoted some time to Jesus. We're devoting ourselves to developing in that relationship with him. The Bible talks about a group of people that were very devoted, and we're going to look at them to start off an example this morning out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 43. What does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? Jesus just died, he just resurrected, and he just went to heaven. This is the context. He went to be with the Father. And now the church is launched. The Holy Spirit has come in power, and the church is launched. What did they do? How did they decide this kingdom has come? Jesus has done the work. They're they're still unpacking all this. They're still learning. What are we going to do to be devoted to this kingdom? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So what are they doing? They're coming together with the apostles, those that had been with Jesus, and they're learning Jesus' teaching. And the fellowship, they're being with one another. What are we, why are we, one of the reasons we're here this morning? 
Why? We came to fellowship. I know some of you run out the door when it's over, and that's fine if you're new and don't know anybody yet. That's good. But do we build relationships and begin to fellowship with one another? They began breaking bread. It says later they were breaking bread in their homes. They're having meals together. Like our, that's kind of what our small groups in some way are. Breaking bread together and the prayers. They were devoted. They were intentional about their relationship with God. This idea of being devoted, uh, sometimes in the Greek we have these uh, imperfect words. This idea of being devoted isn't just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. It would be like saying they devoted and continued to devote themselves. So it isn't something you just do one time. This, you know, the, sometimes the idea behind salvation is if I just pray the prayer, I'm good. And you know, I don't know. I'm not, not going to be your judge. But the Bible says that we're called to be devoted followers of Christ. It becomes a part of our lives. We invite him in to be the king, and the king has some plans. And we need to walk with him to learn those plans and grow in him. I'm thinking of this group of people. If you go back and read in Acts about the early church, they're an inspiration to all of us. They're inspiring. It's amazing what they did. And I wonder, I'm, I'm going to tease you a little bit. I, are you guys okay if I ruffle your feathers a little bit today? Is it okay if we skate on some thin ice? By the way, the ice is not thin out at the lake. I had to drill through it yesterday to try to catch fish. It's really thick. But you know what I mean by skating on thin ice? We're gonna, I'm, I, I might rub you a little bit wrong today, and, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean or mean-spirited or condemning. I, I will wrap it all up, but I'm going to provoke you a little bit, maybe make you a little uncomfortable for a bit here. I wonder what it would be like if Luke fast-forwarded to 2024. <laughs> wow, the years are going. We're going to have flying cars by now. What in the world? If Luke could come to who wrote the book of Acts, if he could fast forward into the year 2024, what would he write about the Christians? Would he write this? And they devoted themselves to, if I think in terms of modern Christianity, now, again, I'm going to run the risk of sounding critical here, but I think it's a real issue in our culture. We have what we would call cultural Christians. I mean, there's a massive percentage of people in the United States call themselves Christians. And I, and I would stop and go, I would call that a cultural Christian, not necessarily a devoted Christian. Uh, it's just an interesting thing to dive into. What would he say? Let's put up the modern Christian version, Johnny. This is the translation called the modern Christian version of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to themselves. Is that what, would Paul say that about modern Christians? They've devoted themselves to themselves, continually and passionately pursuing a self-centered life of comfort and ease. Anybody stinging? JR is mean. But we have to think about this. Are we devoted? Are we really devoted to our King and Lord? Because Christianity today doesn't look a lot like Christianity of old that I see. And when I look at the Bible, I get inspired and I think, there's more to this than this. There's more than maybe what you are experiencing. And, and it's not that it, I, I would love to, I would almost feel like our, our ministry in this country is significantly towards people that believe they are Christians because 
They went to church some po- at some point as a kid. I want to reach those people and say, okay, you got the foundation there. Let's build on that. There's so much more that God wants to invite you into and to be a part of his kingdom. Would you toss me that tape measure, please? Okay, don't toss it. No one tosses a dwarf. Okay. Sorry, Lord of the Rings. Any Lord of the Rings? Yeah. You guys are, you're afraid to be a nerd like me. You're afraid to raise your hand. Uh, I, for like the first uh, 20 years of my working career, I went six days a week like this. Tape measure on my side. Uh, I'm a tape measure snob. In fact, I probably, I actually, it's kind of like a security blanket. I feel better preaching with this on. <laughs> also kind of, it's a nice accessory, Yeah. And I'm a, I am a tape measure snob. How many of my construction friends kind of turned into tape measure snobs? You do because you get one of them flimsy, junky tape measures. Oh, man. And how many of you sat there at lunch break towards that last half of lunch and saw who could get their tape measure out the farthest? Who's played this game? Oh. I do have a point with this. I just got to remind myself what it is. Okay, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to measure out here. Did you just cringe? Did I hear somebody cringe? I said I'm going to make you uncomfortable. That was my daughter probably. Okay. Dad, don't embarrass me. Okay, right here. Look at this. This is 168 inches to right there. You know what's significant about 168 inches? 168 is how many hours you have in a week. Uh Uh-oh. 168 hours to work with. Well, unless you have sleep apnea, you're spending about, what, 56 hours a week? Somebody do the math. That's 112. I got 112 left after I've been sleeping. What else do I got? How many of you work? (laughs) I know full-time jobs are becoming unpopular, but most people have to work about 40 hours a week. Where does that put me? How many of you have social media? Anybody want to guess how many hours a week average is spent on social media? 17 and a half hours a week on social media. How many have a TV? Uh Uh-oh. How many hours a week do you think the average person spends on the TV? I have to look at my notes again. 152? (laughs) Jeff, we need to talk after church. 28 hours a week. I'm sure that's none of you. Definitely not me. I don't do that. How about seven hours a week driving back and forth to work? Not not really in Helena. But if you live in Townsend, Elliston, Avon, and a lot of the other parts of the world where traffic is terrible, you have to go 10 blocks and it's like half an hour to get there. Seven hours a week driving. You got bills to pay. You got kids events, you've got recitals and dance, you've got to get your taxes done. Reminder, friendly reminder, get your taxes done. I've got all these things that are eating up my time. I've got a house project to do. I've got to change the oil in the car. Uh, oh, I've got to be married. I've got to eat. I've got to eat. That's How much time do we spend eating? Probably a fair amount. Not, not my teenagers don't, but... I'm not sure they even taste the food. They inhale it so fast. 
Pretty soon I, I've just got one. How long are you going to be here today? One hour. 168 hours in a week. If I asked you if giving one hour to something makes you devoted, would you agree with me? No. Anybody feeling guilty yet? I mean, I'm preparing this message and I'm feeling guilty. It's my job to spend time with Jesus and I still don't make enough time. It's difficult. One hour a week. How many of you think that you would, your spouse would be happy getting one hour a week with you? Some of you don't. Don't, don't overthink that, okay? One's plenty. You're not going to have a good relationship if you're just spending one hour a week. You're not going to get in shape. Just going to the gym one hour a week. When you devote yourself to something, you give time to it. I'm telling you, if your one hour for Jesus a week is in this room, you're not going to grow. It's not enough just to come to church. And the fact is, with the one hour left that people, and I'm talking kind of this casual mentality about Christianity that we're facing. One hour a week will not get it done. You can spend time with the king of the universe. You want just one hour at church? It's not enough. Now I'm going to come back to this later because my analogy does break down in some ways. But you don't draw close to God by accident. You don't just wake up one morning and go, gosh, I know the Bible now. Oh my goodness, God is with me. Don't just wake up and go, wow, my life's in order. It's amazing. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentional devotion to Jesus. I want to make a priority out of what's most important. I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will fall into place after that. So, If you're feeling a little heavy from what I said, I, I, I don't really apologize for it. I want us to really wrestle through this and think about it. Think about it. Am I devoted to God? Is this, what, is this all there is to Christianity, is showing up to a big meeting on Sundays? It's a very important part, but there's so much more. Here's the thing. With the illustration that I just did, I get down to this one inch. Probably the most significant thing in the way that I just did that is that this is the leftovers. After all of these other things, Jesus gets the leftovers. If I have time, I'll give it to Jesus. I had a really busy week. I can't participate in any church activities. I, I, I'm sorry. Hey, I, I like you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. I want to see you succeed. But I got to tell you, if that's your mentality, I want to help you with that. But recognize, if Jesus is only getting the leftovers... You can't expect to live that full, thriving life that he has for you. He does have that for you. There is more to this, but it takes devotion to mine it out and to get to it. Don't let God just get the leftovers. That little bit of time. Change your mind about it and go a different direction. I want to look at John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Yeah. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Boy, I'm just full of props today. 
This definitely did not come off the Christmas tree that's still sitting on the side of my house waiting to be hauled off. (laughs) It actually really didn't, although my Christmas tree is actually still there. I am the vine, you are the branches. Here's what we do. This branch laying here apart from the vine can do nothing. It can't produce any fruit, it can't grow, and yet we are called to be the branch. But we can't draw any life on our own, not being connected, making a priority, grafted in, drawing our life and direction for life out of the vine. He is the source of life. When this is connected to the tree, the tree brings all these nutrients and all this life, and it flows out into the branch, and hopefully your branch looks better than this one. And it bears fruit because it's grafted in. You know how you can graft plants together. You could take a branch of one plant and graft it in on the trunk of a tree and they like tape it and glue it and whatever they do because they're mysterious and amazing. And that tree, that branch will begin to draw life. That's what happened to you when you put your hands, your life in the hands of Jesus. You grafted yourself into that vine. That is your source of life. That's where, that is your life. You are not independent of that vine. And we know that when, when that happens, we dry up and things don't work very well. There's a list of spiritual fruits in the Bible. I'm just going to keep holding this stick because it makes me feel authoritative. If you uh, sleep, I'm going to come out there and hit you with it. Actually, points, if anyone falls asleep, would you point them out to me, please, so I can come out there and just smack them with it? All right. Do you want some, some of that spiritual fruit? Let's go to that passage, Johnny. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll have much fruit. Let's go to Galatians chapter five. Do I have that in there? What are the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy. How many of you could use more love? Joy, peace, peace. Come on, who could use some more peace? Where does that come from? It's a fruit. It's the result of being grafted into the vine and the natural process of life going into the branch and eventually that fruit of peace grows. Suddenly my stick is really not working. It just doesn't look like anything that would grow anything. And the truth is, we wouldn't grow anything. But the Spirit comes and transforms our lives. And that fruit begins to come. How about some patience? Anybody need some more patience? How do we get that? I need that. My kids are looking at me and say, yeah, you do need that, Dad. More patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All things that you and I would benefit so much from. Against such things, there is no law. How do we bear that fruit? How do we get to more? When we devote ourselves, when we, re, we remain connected and we draw our life from Jesus, by spending time with him, by spending time in prayer, by participating and serving his kingdom, all the things that we do as Christ followers, devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking bread, fellowship, prayer, the things that those early apostles were doing as a sign of their devotion, you and I can also do that. Be devoted, and then we can bear Fruit. I want to look at that context a little more in John chapter 15. Let's go back a verse, Johnny. Can we go to uh, that, that John verse 4? Okay, there's, there's a really important word in here. Actually, throughout this chapter, it's a word that's listed 11 different times. So it's an important word. Let's see if we can find out what it is. 
Hey, you, you cheaters, you already know. You know your Bibles. Good job. What does it say? Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Anybody caught on yet what the word is? It's abide. If you abide, not connect and then go away for the rest of your life, but it means to remain, to live with. Jesus wants to live with you. He doesn't want to just sit on his throne in heaven and you touch base with him once in a while. He wants to live with you in your decisions, in your actions, in the way you raise your family, in the way you handle your job situation, whatever. He wants to do life with you. Remember the chat in Revelation. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I'll come in. I'll dine with him. My father, Jesus wants to dine with you. Jesus is teaching in this passage, you've got to abide, remain. How do you do that? You've got to be devoted. Because the world and life will just pull you away from him. And you dry up. If you're feeling exceptionally dry today, I would encourage you, devote some time, devote some energy. Maybe make some mental adjustments about how you relate to Jesus and draw life out of a relationship with him and watch that fruits of the spirit begin to be a part of your life. It doesn't matter what your personality is, how far deep and dark it's gotten, no matter what you've done, what actions you've taken, he can bring those things into your life. He is into transformation. When you graft into him and that trunk starts to feed you, you become more like the trunk. You become more like the vine. We need that life. If we're going to do that, though, we've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First. It's an interesting thing in the Bible how often first matters to God. It's where the teaching of tithing comes from. The first of what you make. The, the Jews, they would, their firstborn child, the one that they would refer to it as the one who opened the womb. It was the first sign of fruitfulness of them as a family, and they would dedicate that child to the Lord. They didn't sacrifice the child. What that means is they committed the child's life to just thanking God and honoring God with the fact that this is their first fruits. When they would bring in the crops, they'd bring in a tenth of it to the temple, to the priests, and they would give that, and it's saying, thank you, God, the first tenth belongs to you because you actually own everything. Firsts was a big deal to God. And in the same way, in everything we do, put him first. There's some practical things we can talk about here, and I'll just mention a few of them. <clears throat> I mean, we talked about the idea of time, right, with our tape measure. One thing you can do is make time. If you want to be more devoted to Jesus, if you want to begin to see more fruit in your life, if you want some of that life to come into you as a dry branch, you've got to set aside the time to focus on Jesus. You've got to decide a time. For most people, they get, a, not most people, but for people that are mature and, and a lot of uh, Christians that I know, this is not how I do it, but they wake up early in the morning and they spend time in the word of God, reading something, okay? So they, they, they committed a time. You need a place. You need a place. So you get up and you go, that, I'm going to sit in that chair in the morning. I'm going to just take, look, I, I know we're, we're teasing about one hour, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to this in a bit. But just start with five minutes. Just read one verse and think about it. 
Just take the time in the quiet of the morning and just think about it. And then you invite God in this situation. God, what are you trying to show me in this verse? And if all you have the attention for at first is five minutes, then so be it. Start there. Devote yourself to something. Have a time. Have a place. Here's the third thing. Have a plan. There are so many good, there are, you know, some of you are on the random plan where you just put your Bible on the table and wherever it flops open and that's your plan. You're going to read that today. That's fine. I do a lot of that. Or if I'm curious about something, I'll research one thing. I'll find all the verses associated with one thing. But there are Bible reading plans. You can go on, uh, there's a Bible app that every one of you should have. It's called YouVersion. It's a Bible app for your phone. It's so easy to use. It has tons of Bible plans on it. If you make a plan, and it'll help keep track, and it'll send you reminders. There are so many things that you can do to begin to devote yourself to Jesus. But it's not just about the time. It's about making him first in your heart. Not about It's not just about if I spend 10 minutes a day with Jesus, I'll be holy. If I spend 15 minutes a day with Jesus, I'll be extra holy. And if I do 20, I'm probably just going to evaporate and go to heaven. (laughs) It's not like that. Okay? It really has to do with an attitude of the heart that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is first. I am not. My priority will be him. Now, I'm not saying that you need to get out your 168 hours and look at them and go, wow, I need to be spending like eight hours a day with Jesus if I'm going to make this the majority of my time. You know what happens when you start to devote yourself to Jesus? Maybe you, outside of church, maybe you do spend an hour a day or even a half hour a day with Jesus. Do you know what starts to happen? When you begin to put him first, what what does the scripture say? We just read it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will work. Everything else comes together when you put him first, not the leftovers. Don't give the leftovers of your heart to Jesus. Give him the first fruits of your heart. He'll line everything up from there. So even if you're only spending this much of your time, all of a sudden he's transforming you. You're at work, you're encouraging people. You're noticing that God's bringing people into your life that you can encourage. While you're driving, you're listening to a pa- God starts to infiltrate all the other hours of your life. And he starts to transform you. He starts to make you nice. Things like that. He brings that transformation. Because you've devoted yourself to him. I am not. You are the king. You are God. I'm going to put you first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. And Jesus is actually talking about anxiety. Oh man, we have so much anxiety. That tape measure illustration to me just makes me go, no wonder. No wonder we have anxiety. If I did that tape measure exercise with a... uh, Eastern Montana rancher 100 years ago, what would that look like? Well, there wouldn't be 17 hours of social media, I can tell you that. Just that in the last 20 years. 10% of your time just suddenly got eaten up by one form of technology, not to mention TVs, driving, da 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 da, all this stuff, okay? There's a lot. God doesn't want leftovers, He wants firsts, and then He blesses you from that makes you think about what matters most. 
have a story I want to share with you from this last summer. I got a call, uh, actually a text. It was a summer morning, and it was a young lady who said, hey, um, mom's not, not doing good. You better come see her. And I went to the hospital. And uh, this woman, friend of ours, only about 40 years old, and she just found out not even nine months earlier that she had an aggressive form of cancer. And I went up to the hospital, and, you know, we'd prayed for her. We'd been believing God for healing, but it wasn't happening. And you, some of you have been through this before. You, you walk into a hospital room with somebody that's going through chemo. They're fighting for their lives. Some of you in this room have looked that way at some point in your life, and thank God you're here with us. But it doesn't always work out that way. And I walked in that hospital room, and, and you, I didn't even recognize her. Couldn't even tell who she was. I was just picturing her eight months before. We were standing out here on the sidewalk. Young lady, only been married a few years. And I, I remember just looking at her and just young, beautiful life. Her husband's standing there with us. Here we are in the hospital eight, nine months later, and She's barely coherent. She's mumbling. I, her husband says, I, she, she hears you. She's there. I mean, she's kind of coherent, but she's not really able to communicate. And I think everybody left the room, and I, I, I sat down next to her, and I held her hand, and I, I said, hey, I'm here, and she squeezed my hand. I felt like, okay, she's, she's here. And I, at this point, I, I felt like it was time. And so I turned to Revelation chapter 21. <clears throat> And I read this passage to her, and I love it. I shared this with the huddle this morning. I love this passage. I, I don't have it up here on the screen. I want you to think about this as I read it to you. Think about what matters the most. Think about how short this life really is. And it says this, John is having a vision of the end. He's having a vision of the next world, the next life. And he says this, Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That in and of itself is profound. Maybe messes with your theology of the future. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down, which by the way was like thousands of square miles if you do the math, it's huge. Like a, as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I'm reading this to her. Just trying to sow in her mind, no fear. There are good things ahead for you. And death shall be no more. Come on, amen. Death shall be no more. This is what you have to look forward to. This is what our hope is. New, all things new. And he who is seated on the throne, or it goes on to say there shall be no more death, there shall be no more mourning or grief, no crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, there's only one on the throne, right? <laughs> Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I can't wait. 
I can't wait to hear God go, it's done. All these years, all these people, all this suffering, all the things, good and bad, all of it, there will come this moment where God says, it's done. I just hear it like that, thundering and deep and authoritative. I finished what I set out to do. It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And hear this. The one who conquers will have this heritage. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I want that heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. And I was sitting there holding her hand, and and she was kind of mumbling, and she started stirring, and I, I don't know what she said. I can't honestly, if I had to stand before a judge, I don't think I could, but... What I thought she said was, I see it. I can see it. And she started stirring in the bed, and she's kind of mumbling. And the nurse comes in, and I stepped out of the room. And in that five minutes or so that I was out of the room, she passed away. So it's like, I see it. I'm gone. (laughs) I'm out. And she passed. 40 years old, beautiful and sad. And it's in a moment like that where you go, what am I devoted to? What matters in my life? What kind of decisions am I going to make about the rest of it? What's left of it? I want to decide to be devoted to Jesus. It'll be worth it. Even if you don't reap a single thing in this life from it. I know we really get into that, all the wonderful things that we want this life to be. But at the end of the day, it is not where the final hope lies. The final hope lies in it's done. It's done in that moment. I'm going to pray. Lord, we're so thankful, God, that you made a way. God, that you rescued us when we could not rescue ourselves. And God, I pray for all of us, because in some way we're all casual Christians. We know that there will always be opportunity to grow. I don't want it to be condemning, but God, I just pray that the wake-up call for some people will go out. God, we live in a nation that needs a wake-up call. Christianity is not a one-hour church service that we go to once or twice a year. It's a way of life, following a king and devoting ourselves to his way. God, I pray for each one today. If you, if, this morning, if, if from what I'm saying, you're going, I want to be more devoted. I, I know some of you really are devoted and and you will continue to be devoted. But if, if, if you're in here this morning and you're like, I want to make a major change. I want to pray with you. Would you just lift up your hand? Just say, I want to make a change. I want to be devoted to Jesus. I want to be really devoted. I want to pray for you this morning. God, I pray for those who have raised their hands in faith and commitment to you. Like, I want to be more devoted. God, I pray that you would meet them in your spirit. God, with comfort, first of all, and strength, and just vision for what's next. Is it, 
Is it more time in prayer and reflection? Is it more time in the word? Maybe, I, maybe God's wanting me to be more devoted by spending more time serving. Or maybe just by trying to be nicer to my family. I'm going to show my devotion to the way. The book of Acts calls it the way. The way of Jesus is the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, show me more of your way. And God, as a family of believers here this morning, we want to be a devoted people. Where Christianity isn't just a hobby. And God, we know that when we graft in like that, when we're drawing our life from you, fruit comes. Fruit's not going to come from so many of the other activities we do. Not that they're wrong, but we know spiritual fruitfulness comes from being with you, drawing life from you, knowing you. We need to know you more. So God, I pray that you would as we, as we consider what matters most in life, that we would be prompted to devote more of ourselves to you, realizing there's something so much more going on around us and going to happen in the future. So we honor you this morning and we praise you. If you would like to receive more prayer this morning, please come talk to our prayer team this morning. You don't have to air out your laundry with them. They just want to pray for you, that you would be encouraged, that you'd be strengthened, because prayer changes things. You need breakthrough in your life? Pray. And don't just pray by yourself. You were meant for community. Come pray with these guys. I'd love to pray with you. And if we've got to get 20 more people up here, great, we'll do it. But when you go out of here today, think about what matters most in your life, and consider what devotion you will give to Jesus Christ. You guys have a great week. Get signed up for the men's rally. I'll see you here next week.